0: The Sunday Morning Linux Review
1: with Mary Tomich,
0: Tom Lawrence, and Tony Bemis as the Beaver. And this is episode 288.
2: Foss boot. Foss
0: boot. Yes. Uh, yes. This is Tony Bemis.
1: Jane LaCroix.
2: Mary Tomich.
0: And Tom Lawrence. And, and,
2: uh, and Phil is traveling.
0: Yes, Phil is traveling. Uh, So Fastboot.
2: Yes. The reason why we selected that name is because um, there's a site out there called Fastforce, which had pretty much gone quiet for, I think, most of this year. And um, they are going to be rebooting, um, apparently, with with new content. So we just thought we'd give a little shout-out to that because it's great to see. Uh, I enjoyed that site because they had a lot of thoughtful – well, um, opinions, um, commentary, those kinds of um, articles. So I thought it was kind of cool and uh makes yeah. sense to give him a little shout-out.
0: And I, I like mixing that with uh, Oktoberfest Das Boot.
3: Yes. Das Boot. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're so. talking about
2: the glass boot? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the oh yeah. Das
3: Boot. Yeah, that's right. You've, you've had to have seen Beer Fest. Beer
2: um, is that a movie?
3: It is. Okay. Oh, no, no,
2: I actually went to the beer fest in uh, Munich, so, or München.
3: Maybe it's not a great movie, but it's a movie. Is that where the boot (laughs) is
2: turned the wrong way? Yes, they got to learn
3: how to turn the boot to actually finish the, Mm -hmm. there's a secret to it. (laughs) All
2: right, and we do like beer.
3: And we like beer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of people, it's been popular lately. Yeah, 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 a lot of people have
2: been uh, proclaiming their uh, affection for beer this week
0: oktoberfest
2: that must be why it is you know yeah
0: i remember a couple years ago we went to ohio linux fest and uh it was oktoberfest that same weekend there in town uh and we all all the podcasters went over to oktoberfest that was fun
2: speaking of with
0: us mary that time
2: um i i can't believe i did no i i and i'm i've been sad ever since um the uh speaking of ohio linux fest isn't it next week
0: Mm-hmm. In oh, two, two weeks. Oh, two weeks.
2: So, twelfth, oh, the twelfth, twelfth, 12th. Yeah, 12th yeah. and thirteenth. Okay. Twelfth and thirteenth. Yep. Oh, yep. that's unfortunate. Um, because I can't go. You can't. Oh, I'm going to be up north.
0: I'm Tell in them in. that you're gonna. You got to take a day and go to. Yeah. <laughs> go South.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, not when I rented that condo. No. <laughs> so that's un- um well good f- um well obviously I think they're kind of at the mercy of the Ohio State uh, football schedule. Mm. Yeah. So um.
0: Yeah, yeah, they—that's one that they always keep in the same place, but they Mm -hmm. always bounce different weekends uh, in the same time frame. Yeah, uh, where other conventions will keep the same date but Mm -hmm.
3: change uh, um, venues. Venues, yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of other venues down there, perhaps that are that can handle their Linux Fest. I don't know. uh, It's not that huge. I mean, there's probably there's a couple hundred. Yeah.
0: Probably what five hundred people or something yeah. that mm-hmm. show up. It's not like Pengucon that has like three thousand people.
2: Is that uh, how many show up, Pengucon? I'm
3: pretty sure it's wow. close to that now. Yeah, Pengucon. Uh, somewhere around. it's it. Pengu I thought it was like fifteen hundred. I mean, one it's one of the largest uh, conventions in uh, of, of geek or Linux conventions that's in Michigan right now. Yeah, mm. yeah. It, well, it's basically two conventions together. It is.
1: But. Yeah, I think Ohio Linux Fest is more targeted, and then Pengucon. There's just so many different types of things Jesus. that they cover. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Penguins, much ping more, ping more of a variety. Yeah, we, we should have had people. somebody on from Ohio Linux Fest talk with us, oh. A little interview thing. But maybe we can make that as our fresh looks. Uh, oh, I, I can call him up and do a little interview, and I'll send it to you, Tom. Okay, that'll be good.
2: All right, and we have it on. Uh, we have it on the record. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. All, <laughs> All right, no Let's promises. All right.
0: If not, then uh, we have a backup that uh, uh, Jay said that he's uh, willing to do for us.
1: I have something
4: if it yep. yeah, if we need yeah. it. Yes we'll because
2: it I well actually I'm going to get into the what what did I do in the last few weeks. Um yeah. you know I went to Iceland which was fantastic but um also we had gotten um we had gotten um I think a an inquiry about solace, OS, so from one of our loyal listeners and I had taken a look at it a couple of years ago and it was um as I recall um it was I kept it on my um on my computer for a while but I went to take a look at it this time and had quite a bit of uh, had quite a bit of problem getting it to run. And it may be because my hardware is ancient. Um, it's got I think I've got two gigs of um, two gigs of RAM there. Um, it's on my ZA reason, which is uh, I've used pretty frequently. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to kind of um, retreat and try again later because it was just not. Uh, it'd go to sleep and then it would not wake up. Ooh, and then. Mm-hmm. And then it would—I uh, would try to go in and connect to the wireless. It would then just freeze. So I thought, my God, am I running my KDE Neon system? No, no, I wasn't. But
3: anyway.
2: <laughs> so yeah, so that—that's uh, my comment on it.
3: Oh. All right. Well, we can start with what did you do besides oh, we, Iceland?
2: Well, well, I did. And speaking of KDE Neon, I had a just a massive upgrade awaiting me. Uh, when I uh, got back, which I did, uh, I completed. And, you know, when you do one of those big upgrades where it's upgrading the long-term release, yeah. um, it, it went up to 1804. That whole the, the time when it comes to reboot, I always get a little nervous. Um, mm-hmm. I, oh, is mm-hmm. it going to go? Because should I have maybe just installed a clean version of it? <laughs> but I'm happy to say that um, it went just fine. Um, I'm going to have to reinstall my little um, screenshotting or screen shooting tool. Um, my screenshot tool because it uh, 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 KDE's default now is called Spectacle, mm-hmm. and it works generally pretty well. But um, uh, there's another one I like a little better, and so it disappeared. They they you know as part of the upgrade. But I'm happy mm-hmm. to also report that um, I my the PPAs I was using t- so I could use LibreOffice six um, are no longer needed. I don't oh, okay. think because I think they updated it to uh, LibreOffice six and um there's a little icon set that i like cuz i don't care for their default and so that stayed in place so i think overall it was good
3: do you use a darker light theme
2: um light
3: okay
2: because the room is dark that i'm in ah. um well not dark but it's you know muted lighting you know with all my circus posters and everything but uh but yeah <laughs> cuz life's a circus It is. Um, yeah so that so there was that i think that's pretty much uh, pretty much it but i do i do uh, encourage anyone who's interested to go to Iceland. It was just a fantastic
3: trip. How many times have you gone now? Five. Okay.
2: But we almost, um, I, w- I was only scared once because we were trying to drive up this, um, This uh, they call them F roads because, wow. <laughs> of course, <laughs> well, you know, there's a number of words you could use for that F, but it's it uh, officially means four-wheel drive. Okay. And we mm-hmm. had four-wheel drive, but the road had so many rocks and things in it that um, there were four of us in the car. So... The, uh, we got to the point where we were at an angle I, to me it seemed like a 45 degree angle but it was probably no more than you know maybe <laughs> 50, 10 or 15 something like that but um we realized we couldn't go up anymore so we were going to have to go down uh, or go you know to get back to the bottom the well, problem is we had to do it in reverse we couldn't turn around because there's no
4: yeah
2: at the edge of the side of the road you are looking down and i only one time i was afraid that we might roll over just one time but then <laughs> Yeah, we would have been a news article. Anyway, <laughs> but that's that's pretty much it for me.
3: American Linux enthusiast falls off <laughs> F-Road. <laughs>
2: well, you know, it's funny you say that because there was an article in uh, the Iceland uh, media about these tourists. They had a little two-wheel drive Renault, and so they take it and they're trying to go on this F-Road, and they ended up uh, getting stuck on this river. Um, the there were, a, a river had washed out the road, Jack the car up a little bit because of the rocks. They tore up the undercarriage, and they're going to have to pay quite a bit of money. Oh, so, man. So anyway, huh. yeah, it was pretty much it for me. System 76 is working great, that laptop I ordered. All right. And we uh, ordered, and uh, no no problems there, so I may, I may order one for myself.
3: Yeah, I like them.
1: Highly recommend the Galago.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, Jay. I'm thinking of getting another one.
3: How about you, Jay? What's news the last time we seen you? About two so, weeks ago. Yeah,
1: so I, I, I basically survived my foray into OpenStack. Ah. Um, I'm done with that now. So a little background. My company wanted to use it. They wanted to implement it. And they're basically very passionate about, oh, OpenStack is awesome. we, we got to try this. we got to get on this. And I basically set up a server at home has 64 gigs of RAM, 24 virtual CPUs on it. So definitely in, enough to handle something like that. I couldn't get the network to work at all. Like I couldn't get the, get it to bridge OpenStack between my local LAN and OpenStack itself and I spent like the entire time since the last time we were recording uh trying to get that to work. And I've I've read books, I've looked at tutorial videos, I went through YouTube and I realized it's just my own stupidity while I while I couldn't get it going because I'm very new to this and my company wants me to integrate this and in kind of a time crunch and this just isn't one of those things that you're going to learn, you know, that quickly. And then I to add insult to injury, I was looking through my LinkedIn feed. My publisher was advertising a new book, and it's called OpenStack Networking. So I'm like, cool, that, maybe that's exactly what I need. So I, I go to look at this book, and it's 467 pages. Wow. Mm. And then I, I come to the conclusion that this is just way too complicated. But what I've also come to the conclusion of is that it just doesn't fit the use case because – What I've learned is OpenStack wants to be distributed. It wants your compute nodes separate, your networking nodes separate, your storage nodes separate. And to force all of this to run under one server is just a lot of overhead for that one server to do. So I think a lot of it is my company just didn't really understand um, what the use case was specifically. And I know I could have got it working with some more time, but I just had to let it go. So right now we're looking at a couple of solutions. I'll consider XCP. Um, I'm looking at Proxmox right now. Um, we're also looking at vCenter, vCloud as another solution. So back to the drawing board on that. But I did learn a lot about OpenStack in the process. So
0: what is yeah. a big thing they're looking for? Something that's uh, automation. Yeah. And...
1: Well, basically we have a lot of test, a lot of developers that want test environments for for stuff. So they want to be able to like um, script, create, you know, bringing up an environment of servers and bringing them down on demand and and things. So we wanted the what we liked about OpenStack was the cloud aspect of it, because basically OpenStack to me seems like an open source AWS in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, because you have a lot of the same feature set, um, a lot of the same terms are used like security groups and things like that, so if you use AWS, it's pretty much the equivalent of that in open source, so that's very attractive to where we could maybe script all of this, all these test environments, and containers are a big thing because you want to put Kubernetes on this too, which mm-hmm. is another thing that I've also been looking into and, and playing around with. Um, I would actually say Kubernetes is a lot easier for me to learn than OpenStack. I think the um, learning curve with Kubernetes is actually less than OpenStack, but that's just a personal opinion well, of mine.
3: And I um, think there's a lot of support for it because, I mean, it's a lot of people are very bullish on Kubernetes, so right. plenty of support out there. And if you... Uh, Look at the container management in XCP. Uh, reach out to developers. Are actually the the developers writing XCP are the same people who wrote Zen Orchestra, and they <laughs> love uh, scalable automation. That's kind of a niche for them, and they're very active on both Twitter and the forums, so yeah. they're easy to talk to.
1: I'll definitely look into that. But I basically approached you know fellow management. I'm like, yeah, I, we looked at this, and me and another person actually looked at it. What is it? Wasn't just me, but I just came to the conclusion. I just don't think it fits the use case here. Uh, there's just way too much overhead and. What happens if we get it working and then something breaks? Well, we're we're all new to this and it's very complicated. So then, how would we fix an issue in a pinch if there's like a, a downtime in production? It might not be a good, um, you know, thing to be into. So mm-hmm. that's another consideration too. Is not just you know, how long does it take to get it implemented, but if you have to support this, then. Can you, or do you have enough knowledge to actually, in a pinch, get something working if, if it's um, a, a production issue? That's yeah. a, a big consideration as well. So back to the drawing board on that. And then other than that, I decided to completely redo my home network and my home lab, so bought the NetGate SG3100 Sense appliance. I bought a 16-port Unify switch power over Ethernet and then their HD access point. On top of that, I implemented all of that. I was getting drop calls and Slack. I was just having all kinds of issues, and I ran out of ports out of my sw- off my switch. So mm. of course, I had to buy a switch anyway. And my current router was also pfSense, but it's like six years old, so it wasn't going to support the new yeah. CPU. So all those things being considered, I felt like I needed more horsepower. So I implemented that, and um, so far, it's been a pretty good. Imp- improvement.
2: I'm awesome. kind of curious your uh, uh, power over ethernet you, um, mm-hmm. you put in place um, <clears throat> essentially that's just basically using the um, the circuitry in your house, the electrical circuitry, to deliver your I th- Ethernet? I
1: think you're talking about mm-hmm. power line. Power line is, is when you um, connect Ethernet to, like, an outlet and then another outlet somewhere in the house to yeah. pick it up. That's called power line. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So that's a power line adapter, which I do have. And what, it's funny you bring that up because basically what I was going to do is I have a power line adapter in my bedroom that delivers Ethernet to my desktop. And Mm -hmm. that maxes out at about 100 megabit. That's about the most I can get out of it. Mm -hmm. So when I implemented this um, access point, one of the issues is wireless up there is less than 100 megabit. So now that I have this new access point, the wireless is faster than the power line. So now I actually installed (laughs) wireless in my desktop and I'm going off wireless and I decommission the power line because at this point now power line is, is slower than mm-hmm. you know, the access point is. So pretty much improvement across the board. But power over Ethernet in this regard is like the access point doesn't have an AC adapter. Basically it basically has an Ethernet cable that goes from the switch to the access point, and it also carries an electrical current also over that same Ethernet cord, the same one the data is going back oh, and okay. forth to. So it provides power to the access point.
2: That kind of reminds and, uh, me of the old phone lines where, you know, you'd have yeah. phone service, but then you'd also have a little thread of power running through it. Yeah. And
1: this is it. very useful because... Same exact concept. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very useful because if you um, want to, for example, mount your access point in the ceiling, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to run a you know electrical wire, run an outlet to your ceiling? Probably not. You probably want it to be integrated and you just probably want to run one cable. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, I have seen people in even office buildings, they will literally put an outlet in the ceiling and it looks really weird and they'll have an access point with a yeah. power dongle mm-hmm. right there in the ceiling. But it, it, for a more clean approach, it's just one wire. You don't even see the wire. It looks, mm-hmm. the access point from Unify, it looks almost like a um, fire alarm in a way. It's just a mm-hmm. circle device. Um we have them. We have them all over the office. So I know Tom's a big fan. Tom just I mean, gestured to
2: something. Yeah, um, we have well, a I mean,
3: pile of them in a chair. Oh, there we
1: go. Well, that's, that's kind of like the Tom effect, right? Because everything he gets into perpetuates to me. So if, if Tony
2: Pengu-Con, is going to show it to all the people who are uh, listening. Yeah, all the people are
3: listening. Tony's holding a Unify access point. So
1: huh, Tom did right. a presentation at PenguCon about um, pfSense, and oh. that same day, I installed pfSense, and then. Unify, and then I go to Unify, and then he goes into FreeNAS, and then I install FreeNAS. So basically it's kind of like perpetuating over to me. I'm a trendsetter. All right, (laughs) wow.
2: So what did you you do the next day then, Jay? (laughs) Well, then I'm here, right? So I
1: haven't even had a lot of time to really spend with my new network to really know exactly how big of a performance increase it actually is. But it seems like it's really keeping up, and the real test will be Tomorrow at work, because I work from home, so there's a lot of voice chat through Slack and other you know, types of things similar to Slack, and uh, everyone will just drop off and then come back, and it's my fault. It tells me, my, your internet connection's unstable, packets are being dropped, I, I mishear people because words are you know cut out. So the real test is tomorrow when I go through this to see how well these calls go, and it will tell me if it's really an improvement or not. Cool. cool.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, the one thing I did this week is, you know, I rem- i don't know if you guys remember, but last week or last show I said that I had a problem with my FreeNAS and that I had a- it was registering that a couple drives were having issues and I might have to replace one of them. Well, I ran uh, Spinrite on it and it all came back fine. I, Yay. Love, I
1: love Spinrite. That's one of my yeah. favorite tools. There's been so many cases where I've um, recovered people's data for mm-hmm. um, just by using that piece of software. And What's interesting about... Spinrite, because I've had several cases where someone would give me a drive that was bad or, or had an issue, I'd run Spinrite on it, and Spinrite will say no errors found and that it didn't do anything. But then when you, I try the drive, it's fixed. So Spinrite, yeah. even when it tells you that it didn't do anything, the very fact that it goes through the drive is sometimes enough to get it going.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see so,
2: Gibson, he he's the yeah. guy that wrote that. And yeah. I, What I didn't realize it has been around um, – since, oh, it's been like 20, is it 20 or 30 years? Oh, yeah. yeah
1: cu- he's going to be time. making a new version. I, don't, I haven't mm-hmm. got
2: caught up as uh, far
1: as when, but yeah, it's supposed to use bus speed for going through the hard drives faster. So. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. I'm excited about the new version too.
2: Sorry, yeah. Tony, I cut you off.
0: No, it's all right. Um, anyway, so that spawned me to being afraid that my stuff is going to get lost to do a, an additional <laughs> backup. And then now I'm going to be setting up an uh, um, R-Sync backup to Mm -hmm. another desktop that I have. One
1: one question I I have, too, um, for your opinion on this. If you have a hard drive and you have an issue and then you use Spinrite to fix it, my question is always at that point, can you trust the hard drive? Is it just fixing things that, you know, every now and then there's a bad sector and that's Mm -hmm. par for the course. But the fact that you have to use Spinrite on a drive, um, is it... Believe that the best thing to do is then replace that drive, or is it actually okay to keep using
0: it? Replace. Yeah, it, it's okay. always better to replace. I mean, it, it really depends on the error and the and what fixed it, hmm. but. Uh, and if it's production. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it's critical <laughs> data, you always want to replace the drive. Because
1: um, in the podcast, he makes it seem like well, these bad sectors have happen every now and again, and sometimes you just need like a helping hand to get through it every once in a while, and. He'll talk about people just continue to use the drive, and I'm just nervous about that. I'm, I don't
0: want to continue to use uh-uh. it. He probably didn't say it, but he assumes that they have some kind of backup running. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. so okay, yeah, I mean, so even if the drive dies, then you still have a backup of your data, uh, you know. So that's that—that's really the important part. Is you need to have a backup. Mm-hmm. So I was actually looking into Backblaze because you can yes. integrate uh, FreeNAS NAS. NAS. into Backblaze, mm-hmm. and I. And I figured that my cost would be like $150 a mm-hmm. year to back all my stuff up because I'm not doing a lot of change. With Once I get the, the bulk backed up, then it, it's kind of static. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was debating, do I do that I or you, do I? I... use
1: Backblaze. And I'll tell you, the price is so unbelievably low. Like, yeah. Like the amount of data that I have up there, because my FreeNAS backs up to it as well. It's on like a schedule like every week. It's It's pushing stuff up there. I might spend between five and ten dollars a month. Actually I think it's it's definitely less than ten, might be a little bit more than five. It's it, I have a lot. I don't know how much I have up there. But if you use their calculator, it's surprising how little money yeah. they charge you. Yeah.
3: They're really affordable for mass storage.
0: Yeah. Actually, you know, I calculated on my full uh, data usage on my Freeness, And there's actually a large chunk that I wouldn't need backed up, so it'd be even less.
3: And if you go automated. to the 11.2, which is still in beta, it supports pre-encryption before it goes into the buckets. Oh,
0: that's the yeah. important part. They that's you... what I wanted
3: to do. Yes.
0: Yeah, I, I just upgraded to the 11.1 U6. Yep.
2: Oh, I was going to ask a quick question here. For people who may not be familiar with Backblaze, as far as just the process itself, you create a document, you save it in a folder, Um, on your system, do you have to take an additional action to um, and I'm asking for a friend by the way, Mm -hmm. Um, do you have to take an additional action in order to um, uh, have that uh, particular document you you created backed up?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, well, we're we're talking about like
2: our sync kind of thing Um, where it sort of monitors it. Our
4: clone
1: is the tool that most people use if uh you're not using it in a NAS. um, So Synology supports it. So Mm -hmm. if you have a Synology, it's built in. FreeNAS supports it. And then there's also on Linux, I don't know if it's on Unix or BSD, but I know that on Linux you can use Rclone. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing about Backblaze B2, specifically we're referring to the, their B2 service is what it is. Okay. But your bucket name, because it's a lot like AWS, has to be unique. So basically when I, what I do is I, I have a name and then I just append some random string of characters at the end to make it you know, unique. It's basically object storage, so you could basically just, you know, upload it into your bucket,
3: so to speak. And they're not a facilitator of software. You need to use other software to do it. Mm -hmm. And like in my world with the IT management, CloudBerry is a really popular uh, front-end tool, and one of the back-ends it supports besides AWS is also Backblaze. So. They do the facilitating, for example, for both Linux and Windows. It's a commercial product. Um, and then you choose the storage to be Backblaze, for example. CloudBerry makes really nice software for doing that. Yeah.
0: And that's it. so does CloudBerry or RSync, do they, or R uh, Clone, mm-hmm. is that automated, or do you have to like set a schedule for? So
1: it what it is, is you download the R Clone utility and there's like a initialization command. I forgot what it was, but you run this only the one time, and it'll ask you for your account number and a key that you set, so that way it knows or has authorization to communicate with it. And so you basically set up the B2 provider. Our clone supports other things other than B2. Not, so I, I think it supports AWS. Yeah, um, most of them do. So B2 is just a provider. So you set that up, and then you'll then have a, a script you can run. Um, you just run it any you want to basically upload
0: okay yeah alright cool and you could do a cron job or something that's
1: like that, how I was it doing it before I went to free NAS I, I had a I had a cron job it ran like every single night yeah because um, we uploaded everything
3: yep I'll throw it out there our clone supports it's our and it supports about 20 different options for storage nice. So, mm-hmm. alright uh could we all go through what we did, or Tom? Did we miss mine's you? really brief. Eighty thousand. Hey, I got plenty of news. Uh, Eighty thousand square foot bowling alley. Um, that's mm-hmm. a big place, and we're putting Wi-Fi. That's in the there. answer.
2: So, what's the question? That's no, the what, question? Is? Yeah. <laughs> what
3: is? What is? <laughs> how do you? <laughs> yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting project. We're probably going to do a video on. Uh, we are putting Wi-Fi everywhere lately, and including a bowling alley. And it's mm-hmm. going to have about 2,000 people on the Wi-Fi. So this is a pretty oh, big Wi-Fi wow. system. Wow. So it's going to be kind of fun. Um, Scalability planning and things like that is kind of neat. So we've had some discussion on it um, in the design. And related to that, we are almost done with a wi- uh, Wi-Fi project for Detroit City FC, the soccer club. They have a mm-hmm. new indoor stadium, and we did the Wi-Fi there. And all this is being. Uh, my faith has been placed in the hands of Unify. They have faith in me. I have faith in them. Mm-hmm. Let's hope this. This is this is a bigger project for us when, in terms of just the number of people are going to be wanting. out. they they have five thousand a day, but about two thousand active Mm -hmm. because of the way the sessions rotate, because this is a PBA tour um, thing. So, yeah, Yeah, it's going to be fun.
1: They're really good devices. I love them.
3: Slash 22 networks and just. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Tom, that sounds pretty big. big. Kind of fun. You do a better
1: better job, I bet, than all these uh, fast food restaurants, because every time I go to one of these and I use my laptop, it's like, can't get a DHCP address. And I know immediately the problem is they probably have a slash twenty-four subnet. Everybody driving by is is grabbing yeah. an IP address. So there's and, never and one we're sitting little little, out in the parking lot too <laughs> long. Yeah. Lease
0: time. No, and
3: they have a twenty-four hour lease time. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The pools are too shallow because you have to overextend mm-hmm. the pool and set short lease times and do all this fun stuff. So it's mm-hmm. spent, yeah. That's mostly what I did. Other than um, I got rid of the toaster. I mentioned that, So now I'm driving a different car. My yeah. My my box vehicle is now gone. And now mm-hmm. just dawned
1: on me what you mean by yes. toaster. Yes. I totally
3: yes. dawned on yeah. me. Anyone who's seen the car, it was I a Scion XB, a.k.a. my kids a always box. call it a toaster. It's just like a box. There's no aerodynamics to a it. No black box. And, and yet the new sports car is aerodynamic and gets, like, bad gas mileage. Whatever. <laughs> I think it's fun. all in the engine. It's all in the engine. It's fun, fun inch displacement. There's like, yeah. There's, like, three more hamsters in this engine than there were in the toaster engine. There's, like, one <laughs> hamster running it, so... <laughs> and they gotta be fed. They gotta be fed. That All right. was it. Okay. All right. Uh
0: so I think we're going on to listener feedback.
2: We want to hear from you. Call
0: seven three four two five eight seven zero zero nine or email show at smlr.us with your feedback and questions. All right. Uh we still haven't updated that. Soundbite with the because it has the phone number. Don't call, don't Don't call call. anyway. uh, So, email us at show at smlr.us. And speaking of that, we got a couple emails. Um, And uh, we have uh, Mike that was uh, suggesting Solus Budgie, yes yeah
2: and I I think I talked a little bit about it and the difficulty I had which could be related to just the ancient hardware I'm using but um the sleep um when it went to sleep it just it would not wake up
4: (laughs) yeah
1: I've I've used Solus um a couple things I'll say about it um one is that I thought it was great from the standpoint that the lead developer was doing some pretty cool things I don't mm -hmm. remember technically what they were right now because when I was reading about it it some time ago but they were making it very much desktop-laptop-focused, so not so mm-hmm. much servers may not work well on servers, but if you're running a desktop-laptop, it's basically for that. But then recently, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but their lead developer just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, it's been a week since I last read about it, but basically just completely um, went off the grid and nobody's heard from him. Uh, nobody knows where he is or anything. So there's been kind of like a... Management shuffle with, um, you know, who owns the project or who's going to continue it off from there. But also, like the domain is registered to him, and nobody can contact him. So oh. I think there might even be like a, an issue there too. So, um, and I'm not trying to say that Solus is something that nobody should use. I'm just saying, you know, we've got to keep our eye on that because I'm hoping that basically they.
3: If you see a fork, that. it may be because he vanished. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And that's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, keep that in mind. But, yeah. um, I'm, I mean, Manjaro, uh, for example, had a big um, issue like that too where they they had a big shuffle of leadership and they're fine. But uh, it's just one of those things to keep in mind. But it is an exciting distribution as well.
2: It, so. You know, and it, I think it all really boils down to is how the organization is structured where you've got, you know, you, you may have, if you've got somebody who's, I'm going to use this word, but it's, um, I don't mean it negatively, but, you know, it's kind of a cult of personality where they're the the leader and and then everybody else kind of, you know, falls below there. Where Mm -hmm. if you've got it structured properly where you may have kind of a committee where everybody, maybe two or three people who are Mm -hmm. deemed the project leads, who kind of co-lead, I think when somebody leaves, then you're in much better shape to continue the project. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's a good point. Very well, at least we have point. the think, source yeah. code. Well, and, yeah. and most yeah. of these projects that are volunteer-based. <laughs> that's right,
2: Tom. <laughs> what was that?
0: Most of these projects where they're volunteer-based, that's even more important. Because, sure, sure. You know, People get burned out. Yeah.
1: yeah. If you have a chance to continue looking into it, mm-hmm. I'd be very curious to see what you uh, find. Um, it's been a very long time since I used it. It was closer to the beginning of the project at that time the number of packages in the repositories were, was very shallow. But nowadays, I'm sure that's not an issue anymore.
2: But. Yeah, and, and you know, Jay, one other thing about Solus, too, is that budgie is not the only, I think, the only way you can get it. You can get it, I think, with mate or cinnamon. No, um, so I think. What was that?
1: I'm pretty sure Gnome as well. Yes.
2: So, so what I wanted to do, because I, I always appreciate somebody or a project that's trying to develop their own desktop or their own display, uh, you know, desktop environment, I should say. So um, I wanted to try to take a look at Budgie. But, you know, once I get my new computer, um, boy, it sounds like I'm going to be getting it for sure now, doesn't it? Uh, thank you I think you've that. It went from a vague that, idea this decision. morning when I woke up made, now yeah. to. You made that decision live on I'm going to call when I get home. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I'll, uh, I'll revisit it. Uh, it could very well just be, you know, again, my ancient hardware.
1: Worst That's case scenario, very, if for some reason you can't get it running, uh, there's also I'll call a, you. <laughs> well, yeah, you let me know, and I'll certainly help you out. But if for, for whatever reason we can't get it running, there's also Ubuntu Budgie as well, which mm-hmm. also has that same desktop. But oh, it's not, I was not aware of that. Um, it's not the same. It's not going to be as advanced because mm-hmm. I know there's lots of customizations in Solus. So definitely, you know, if you have an issue, let me know. Okay. Um, and I'll try my best to help you out. But um, that'd be a really exciting thing to take a look at.
2: Yeah. All right. What's our next email? Uh,
0: we have a uh, um, a donation to the show.
2: I saw John, that. Yep. Thank John you, John. John
0: donated to us. So we want to say thank you very much. Uh, and we are in need of setting up uh, another setup for a mic so uh because uh jay said that he might be coming in more often so we're, we're going to get another uh, mic set up and have a, a five top going so Ooh. well uh i'm sure we're gonna be using that money towards the microphone and cable and stuff
2: excellent so thanks well, again john we appreciate it
0: yeah uh then we had a question about our OG feed no, I don't think we responded to the email on this. And I, I did. And I yeah. apologize. Oh, I responded just yeah, to yeah. let him know that
2: we're going to be looking into it.
0: Oh, okay. Um, and and then
2: so, Tony, then, of oh. course, I look at you immediately.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's...
2: So what have you done? No, just kidding.
0: Oh, he sent two emails. That's why I didn't yeah. see a response to one of them. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what we've been doing is we have uh, – so we've had two feeds forever, you know, an OG feed and an MP3 feed. And uh, recently, because it's just the overhead of – of producing both files and then uploading it. Um, and we changed our hosting provider for where we were hosting the files.
3: Yeah, Archive.org mm-hmm. started having some real major issues, and it was taking one of our show delays was not because we didn't record, but because I spent a week emailing back and forth to Archive.org, and every time they'd fix it, we'd only be able to get a little bit further. We finally said, why are we using Archive.org anymore? Because they've just become kind of a pain in the butt. Mm. Right, so we're, we're self-hosting
0: the files now. Um, and uh, with self hosting, it makes it kind of an issue with um, uh, uploading it onto WordPress. Yes, WordPress and, doesn't like AG. Right, and then it's also a storage issue, also. We don't have a whole lot of storage. They say it's unlimited, but yeah. that's not really the, the We'll get a call. Life, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so what we've been doing is we've stuck the MP3 file in the OGG feed. So that the people running on the OG feed didn't actually miss our shows, and I think it may have been one show was left off. Um, but what? So what? The the issue is happening with uh, with Richard is that he has a script that looks for an OG file, and because we're sending MP3 files now, then it kind of broke his script. Um, so I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, we're really not going to be able to make changes right now. Um, with the way we have it set up. But um, maybe, Richard, if you could update your script to accept
4: Pull. MP3 files. Yep,
3: that should fix it. Yeah. Because our RSS feed's the same, and the structure is the same. It's just we're doing it in .mp3 only, not .ogg. Right. The file structure naming, I changed none of that for yeah. consistency. I kept it all because I know some people are pulling this with scripts. Hey, Tony,
2: mm-hmm. have, you, have you done any changing to the config, um, wp-config? In WordPress, because um, apparently there's a you can you can um, modify that to accept any uh, uploads. I uh-huh. mean that you would upload. I mean it's not, but you okay. know. Or you can you can modify that to. Um,
0: yeah, it, but it's still the issue with the uh, file size or the, oh, okay. the storage size. So what would happen instead of being able to host? Yeah, you know, we'd be able to only host half as many files, really,
2: in the in the long run. I got you. Okay. Maybe,
0: like, two years' worth of files instead of five years' worth of files.
2: But do we really need Wooji Booji stand still available <laughs> six years later?
0: <laughs> That's on archive.org. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, right. uh, six years later. Seven years, actually. I know. This uh, this month, seven years, this is this October month.
2: 1st, isn't it? Yeah. Or am I wrong? No, it was the 30th.
0: It was in the middle of September.
2: Was when our we started? First show. Okay. Yeah. So really, it's been how many years? Seven years? Seven
0: years. Yeah.
2: Then I joined about what three months later. Yeah. Four months. Hmm. Okay.
0: All right. Um, what else do we have? Did you guys see anything else?
3: I didn't. Sure. Was there anything on the site? I didn't look. Uh, I haven't logged in longer. I mean, I, I anything, anything for
0: anything. anything for feedback gets forwarded to the okay. group show, but um, because mine actually goes to my, I have a mailbox on the same server. I see it all. Where you guys might get bounce messages from time to time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I didn't see anything else.
2: So you get the Japanese spam messages? I did. Okay.
0: And there's quite a few people that want to make apps for us as long as we want to pay for it. (laughs) That's true.
2: Yeah, I saw that too. Uh,
0: uh, Oh, one other thing I saw, it's not really feedback, but uh, Ohio Linux Fest, like we said, is in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, Their official Ohio Linux Fest hotel, uh, you don't get the rates anymore. So you're... uh, you have to just find a, a hotel on your own at this point if you're going to be staying the
2: night. Oh, because they, the block of rooms has been sold out. I, is that what they're I, saying? I don't. Uh, Usually, it, you get get the rate for that. a certain block of rooms, and once those once that block is gone, then anybody else who reserves pays the going rate.
0: Right. Yep. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to stay the night. Um,
3: so I'll probably I just stay
0: late and then get going.
3: I'll try um, to have a decision whether or not I'll be going or not and we'll figure it out if i go i'll get yeah. a hotel i have somewhere to be on sunday and so. yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm gonna be there work permitting so at work mm-hmm. we have a a client migration to do so if as long as it uh, doesn't need to be done that weekend i'll probably go there awesome
0: It'll if you my want first
1: a, time actually because i've never been so if you want a carpool we can drive yeah. together
0: they have yeah, great I'll, t- I'll they've had great swag in
2: the past
1: I'll let you yeah. guys. I'll let you know within the next couple of days.
0: Actually, speaking of uh, other people in Michigan, you know, if you're interested in carpooling, we should uh, just email show, and then uh, maybe we can try to figure something out. So,
2: great. All right.
0: Tom and Mary are looking at me. You're going to let everybody email us about carpooling? Yeah. How, many no. you, how many seats? do you <laughs> have? I'm just going to run a <laughs> van. The Linux side. I have seven run a, seats. Run a bus. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, so we can we should get going. Uh, next up is Distro Fever. Distro Fever, where we cover the latest hot distro releases and news. Distro Fever, uh, PF Sense had an update. I did I did my update. Um, it went flawlessly. Sitting
1: Just hit here. update yep.
0: and
3: waited a few minutes and it well, rebooted.
1: Except for Tom.
3: Well, as long as oh. you don't have certain packages installed at WinFlossly. They had a mismatch of PHP versions, so Uh-oh. certain plugins mm. that were loaded, if you didn't remove them prior to the update, you ended up with a bricked PFSense. Yeah. So there was some controversy over that.
1: I actually managed to brick my SG3100 when I first started setting it up, and mm. I had to get support to help me uh, give me the file I needed to reinstall the OS. That was pretty fun. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Geez.
4: yeah.
2: Well, I'm happy to say I didn't brick my uh, my desktop at home um, with the upgrade to KDE Neon, which is on the uh, list for, um, from September 26th. I think I talked about that a little bit. That went successfully.
3: Cosmic Cuttlefish beta is out. Uh, what?
1: Uh, what?
3: What is that? That's I the th- new Ubuntu. I keep telling uh. myself
1: I'm going to stay on LTS, and often I don't um, because I, I don't really like to use the intermediary releases because they're pretty much um, cutting edge and I'm not always for that, but the new gnome release from what I understand has some massive performance improvements. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to backport those fixes into the LTS version, the, the gnome version that LTS has, mm. but that, that in and of itself is actually kind of making me want to check that out.
0: Yeah. What is the release date supposed to be for 1810? Cause October, we're like
1: middle, I, I want to say middle of October. I'll, I'll Yeah, we're,
0: like, three weeks away, and they're just on beta. Usually they're at, like, release candidate by now. Well, release
1: candidate is usually one week before release or maybe even just two weeks before. It happens, like, beta Mm -hmm. release candidate final release happens, um, like, pretty quickly. So um, it's still, you know, the normal release right now.
0: All right.
3: And as Mary mentioned, the new KD Neon, she updated and it Mm -hmm. worked.
2: It did um, one other thing too that uh, I think came out uh, it's not on the list but it they was a, um, apparently some recent uh, updating of it it's called freedom box are you guys familiar with freedom box
0: mm, I've no. heard of something called freedom Box before I'm not sure if it's the same thing you're talking about yeah
2: what it does is it allows you and um, I want to say it's um, I keep thinking um, it the guy that did the uh, one of the original Raspberry he did the original Raspberry Pi um, what was his name Eamon? Um
0: Is this the cardboard computer?
2: um no it doesn't look like a cardboard computer to me oh. um but it is it uses a Raspberry Pi to allow you to create a very small um you can create a very small um server it's not that gives you I'm a you know it's a personal okay. server that gives you a lot of uh, stuff to uh, um, a lot of capabilities they've well they've come they've come out with this um it kind of caught my eye because I've been sort of thinking about getting my Raspberry Pi back from my friend Ruth, who uh, my geek friend Ruth, who uh, um, has been using it. But um, there are quite a, you know, as I said, there are quite a few uh, features and functions that you can uh, put together on this thing. I had actually had the document up, um, my document that I had uh, put together on this, um, but then I had my little computer problem. So, uh, but anyway, so Freedom Box is something to look at. But... Um,
0: I'm reading about it right now. Yeah. Oh, it runs Tor. Mhm. Ooh. That's neat. Yeah, That's yeah neat.
2: it's yeah, there's a lot of uh, interesting little things about it.
0: So is this to run as a desktop or as No, a, it's it's uh, a,
2: it's an um, like a router. basically in the your own it's just your own little server at home. Um, and they've got they've got some uh, new things that they're going to be um uh adding to it, I should say. Um New, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little disjointed here when I'm trying to... It's apparently Debian. multitasking this morning is a little challenging for me, but...
0: It looks like it's a set of Debian packages because mm-hmm. it's yeah, on it's host- Debian.org.
2: Yeah, it's hosted, mm-hmm. uh, uh, hosted off Debian. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Freedom Box is a ready-made personal server designed with privacy and data and er- ownership in mind. Mm-hmm. A subset of the Debian Universal Operating System and includes free software only. You can run it on a small, inexpensive, and power-efficient computer box in Thank your you own Tony. home, dedicated to for its use.
2: <laughs> yeah, and some of the future um, apps that they're going to be including, uh, including is a secure email server. Um, also, they're going to be um, adding some uh, distributed social networking, mm. and then for those of you who don't care about security, um, passwordless single sign-on.
0: It says it'll do voice chat and text messaging, yeah. uh, so or, uh chat messaging. Yeah, XM ex uh, XMPP clients.
2: Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: cool. so
2: anyway, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I saw that uh, you know, Distrowatch, they have a little submit uh distribution or submit distro um area on their site. And so I sometimes will go poking through there looking for candidates for review so, um and I you know, you know, I I've, I've found uh, actually several interesting ones there. But uh, it's when I saw this that kind of caught my eye.
0: So. This is this is does actually look really cool. Yeah. So it says it's a smart home router. So uh, mm-hmm. like, like we were just saying, it uses Tor that you can route everything through to mm-hmm. Tor. It also provides a VPN server, so everything VPNs back to your house or wherever you're running this server at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like it has a nice little simplified uh, um, web GUI to be able to launch your email yeah. or or to. You know, do the different things. That's yep. cool. So, Freedom Box. Freedom Box. On Debian, it's, I like the name. Yeah, Freedom. Freedom.
2: Anyway, so that's all I have for it. Cool. Oh, and let's not forget RoboLinux. They had a release. Ten point
0: one.
2: They're still hanging in there.
0: I'm. I know that I probably say this every time. I still don't understand the name and what they are all about.
2: Well, they were. Uh, th- I think the focus of of that particular distribution, as I recall, it was um, um, kind of security. It was security related, it, as far as your per- as far as your security, not you know pen testing type uh, mm. distro. But uh, um, the thing that, and I remember I did a I did a review of it a few years ago, and I really they I really appreciated the. Um, ability um, that the, it had to, uh, you'd click on one of the menu items and in the background was a script that would run and go and um, it could fix issues that you had. For example, if your wireless wasn't connecting, it would detect whether, what driver you needed and then it would go and um, hmm. get that uh, script and then try to fix it, okay. try, to you, try to get you online. I, oh, and yeah, I kind yeah, of appreciated yeah. that, um, as I recall from the, from the review that I did. So cool. anyway, but they're still plugging along. I haven't really looked at it recently, so who knows? Maybe if I can't get Solus running on my new computer,
4: yeah, I'm sure you're. i sure I will, will handle it just yeah. fine. Yeah.
2: Uh, so there you go.
0: All right. Yeah, that's all I see.
2: Yep. Ah, so must you... be time for
0: news, tech news and views. All right. Are we? Gonna... So, Tom, you want to start lead us off?
3: Let me run down through this. All right, <laughs> we'll start with Linus. So it was actually the day of our other episode. He apologized, said he could be a nicer person, and it's all been kind of downhill. We weren't going to touch on every subject of it, but there's a more recent article now uh, where Linus says, "I'll never be cuddly, but I can be more polite," and I, he's taking kind of a middle of the road stance on this. of yeah, I don't need to call you or your mother names. I can just say your code's bad and that's adequate. And I'm completely, I think I align myself more with that idea of, yeah, you can tell someone that their code is wrong and things like that. You don't need to take it that step further. And that's what he's talking about. He did personal attacks on people, Mm -hmm. um, which is completely – it, that's not productive. It is still productive, and he still has been a good steward of managing code inside the kernel, um, and stopping people who write bad code. Because well, some people write bad code. Um, it doesn't mean you need to personally attack them. That's my that's my take on it. Uh, some people are going far extreme the other ways, and the arguing <laughs> and mega threads I've seen in, in the mm-hmm. forums has not has not been good. But right. I'm sure it'll yeah. calm down, and cooler heads will prevail. <laughs>
1: No and, doubt, no doubt. And one of those things t- about that too is, I, I feel like with him making that statement um, is, is a good thing. I mean, there's lots of people out there that'll say, "Hey, you know, this he, yeah, he says this and he's done all these bad things, but at this or said all these bad things and was really mean to people." But at the same time, um, it takes a lot to come out there and just say, hey, "Look, you know, I'm going to try my best to to treat people better." And I think he's basically with the um, not cuddly comment, just basically saying that. He's still not going to be perfect, but he's going to make the attempt. Mm-hmm. And when someone tries to better themselves, it's not like a light switch. Hey, I'm better now. I'm, I'm nicer now. It's a it's a work in progress. And I think what is going to happen, unfortunately, is if he makes a slip up or something, then the news is going to get it, and they're going to say, "Hey, I thought he was supposed to be a nicer person now, and here he is making this other comment." Um, so I hope that he does succeed in you know not you know screaming at people for random code changes or code that isn't quite up to par so hopefully it works and from a community standpoint it's important that we use constructive criticism effectively and not harshly otherwise people just don't want to contribute and right. that's a
3: problem and we need right. more people coding so that's right. that's still a bringing more people into the community i think is really important um because there's people who are really good code and they're like well he's gonna call my mom names like <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> Like I said, you can take it too far. There's, it's not that we want just anyone coding. We want the good coders, but we want that to be, you know, you shouldn't have to worry about being attacked on a personal level.
1: Yeah, and I, I just kind of feel like I, I hope the media covers it uh, more fairly. I guess that's the point that I was trying to make is that, you know, if he does something super nice to for someone or makes a good comment that's not going to be in the news probably. No. But if he if he slips up and calls someone's mom a name or something like that that's going to be picked up immediately. So as long as the coverage is fair um as you know this goes along and I hope he does actually mean what he say he says and he intends to actually try his best so yeah let's hope that's the case. Yeah so is.
3: Things are. I think things goes. will. I think things will work out for the better. We've. I've over the years seen the communities in the, at the Linux Fest and at the uh, Penguin Con. Have they've gotten better? You know what I mean? It's not.
2: So does that mean it's like politically correct now?
3: I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. Well, actually, <laughs> you know, the next article is uh,
0: related to the kernel. You know, and they move from a code of conflict to code of conduct. And this was one of the last things that that Linus did before he took his break or went off to, yeah, to be to learn to be nicer. That and so there is a whole hubbub about that, um, and I think the hubbub is it's there is a lot of vagueness to it. Yeah, I didn't get to read through it all, um, but the but the one thing about it is that there is people like oh, I am going to pull my code. Well, that's what the articles are saying. It's really only one person saying, hey, you should do this. And then mm-hmm. and that person's not really even a kernel developer. Or-
3: well, and this is where I, I don't know the details, so I can't speak to them, but I get the gist of it where um, people using the code of conduct going, well, I don't like what someone did six years ago. Unrelated to this project because I don't like their political beliefs or whatever and that was where the infighting started going well this person supported Mm -hmm. something I didn't support five years ago on a separate project. I think they should be removed from this project because Mm -hmm. they may have those same beliefs still and I'm like yeah yeah, people change. And also, think about the young nature of many of the developers. 15-year-old me said a lot of dumb things. 20-year-old me got a lot smarter in just a short period of time. I know I've said some really (laughs) stupid
1: things myself, and if anyone pulled up any of those comments, it would probably be pretty embarrassing, but... You know, it only, it only <laughs> matters now. Like, how are you conducting yourself now, today? Yeah. That's what matters. Not, yeah, and, not and that's where I think. years ago. So, and like, it's
3: unfortunate because someone was highlighting something that was said years ago in a mailing list. I'm like, well, you know, I, there wasn't mailing lists in the 90s, but trust me, I said dumb things. I'll just, I'll admit it. <laughs> so that's why we got to find the happy middle yeah. here for uh, things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's our thoughts on it. We're not going to get into all the details. and I don't think we know them. <laughs> Nice, so yeah, I, I no idea. Yeah. All right. All right. Cloudflare goes interplanetary. So, Cloudflare's got a new IPFS gateway system. And this is a uh, interplanetary cloud file system to help distribute better their workloads. Uh, I've got a link to it so you can dive into the technical details of it. And they've got a good explainer in their blog about what they're doing, about how they're doing things on a more uh, traditional web versus server based P2P network. Uh, but it's expanded. If you're not familiar with Cloudflare, they're a pretty amazing company, and they support a lot of the back end of the web for uh, load balancing and things like that. They're hugely popular service. Pretty cool, though. Now, System 76 gets an animated for new han- gets animated for a new handcrafted computer. They're doing like an animation series as a lead up to it.
2: I I saw th- yeah. yeah I saw that Tom because I got the email and when I saw the email about open source this is the open source hardware project mm-hmm. right yes. Um, I thought, oh wow. So I go there and it's just and I it's certainly the person that put it together was skilled, but I was hoping for something
3: The, a little the more animated more videos details. following the journey of character Zoe and the Pop O S installer bot. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't know. It's weird, but hey, why not? I guess it's entertaining. I guess.
4: It's yeah. And, and I'm
1: wondering if this has anything to do with the desktops that were shown when I was there um a year a year ago last February where the the desktops looked amazing. I mean, um, I know I've, I've already talked about what they looked like before, but definitely not like anything that they have now. I'm kind of wondering if this is like an evolution of that same design that they mm-hmm. started back then, or if this is completely unrelated. But I have to imagine that it probably is related to that. Yeah, so we'll yeah. see.
3: Seems like an odd marketing thing to create an animated series with cartoons, but why not? Well, well maybe Marvel- trying Marvelings to, trying, yeah. to youth, <laughs> trying to get the youth, trying to get the yeah. youth, trying to get the youth.
0: But, no, I agree. Why not? Because I, if their current marketing is, is only getting them so far, why not try something new?
3: Geek marketing, why not?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they get, and they have a whole, it's off it's a whole different URL, too. Mm-hmm. And um,
3: Yeah, so, they're, and they're a great company coming out with stuff. Now, this is an interesting CVE. CVE 2018 14, 16, 4 Integer Overflow was found in a Linux kernel, uh, Elf Tables. Now, this is heavily affected. Elf in Tables. Elf. Yes. E- it's almost L- Christmas. Yep. ELF. ELF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not ELF. Not the old 80s thing. Wasn't that <laughs> – d- okay. Elf. Yeah, ELF. <laughs> <laughs> um, an unprivileged local user with access to SUID or otherwise privileged binary could use this fault to escalate their privileges on the system. It's not a memory leak, but it does require that you have 32 gigs of RAM because apparently if it – um, there's a, I like that there's a memory requirement for this for your vulnerabilities. You only have this much RAM to be vulnerable, um, but there is a patch for it. It's just, uh, affected in the Red Hat world, so CentOS and Red Hat distributions affected. Apparently, this is backported uh, only so far, but it does affect some of the other kernels depending on how old your uh, distro is. So, mm-hmm. and the reality is that people running really old distros might be safe because it's on old systems with small amounts of memory. So, either way, patch. Mm. Yeah, so, I
0: mean, with having that much RAM, then you're really looking at enterprise-level yeah, uh, equipment, and that's what
3: – it's important to patch? Yep, that's why it's important to patch things. Um, after the patent office rejection, it's time for Google to abandon its attempt to patent the use of public domain algorithm. This is from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and apparently – now, this is a little fuzzy. They, they, a little bit misleading if you actually read it because they didn't try to patent the actual algorithm. They tried to patent applying the algorithm to videos. So I don't know if I should give Google benefit of doubt that they did this in order to stop patent trolls. Because um, mm-hmm. Google has been known to do that where they put, patent things but never – they then give it away with another kind of license on top of it. Much like um, Tesla does. They patent things and give the, ta- give the patent away because that's the way you stop patent trolls. You know, We have the power to get this patent. so that way a patent troll can't do this and stop other people from using it. Which brings me to the wonder because you could do business mm-hmm. process patents. Can I patent patent trolling? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Get on that while you have a chance. That, <laughs> that might have a chance. Yeah, so, it's, um, it's probably already done. Microsoft's there's already pro- done Yeah, it. there's probably, we pay a patent troll every time for, to troll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Rocket Chat and NextCloud, partnership and integration. So uh, NextCloud is getting a cool integration with RocketChat, and I think this is kind of neat. In, I heard, you know, even Jay mentioned using Slack. I use Slack. Um, I like to see some competition in that market because Slack really owns a large chunk of the workspace. The other mm-hmm. workspace is owned uh, for, the, for team communications, for Microsoft Teams, um, because a lot of the Office 365 people are used to being integrated. And there's open-source alternatives. And I've, I myself thought the installer for Rocket check was really slick when I tried it last year. I, I liked everything about it except for the mobile app. And unfortunately, my team does a lot on the mobile app, and it just wasn't there. So that was one of the ones. We tried a couple other ones out there, I believe Mattermost, and all of them had kind of similar problems with the Mobile app was the weak point. Um, but I may be giving another look because it sounds like they've done a lot to upgrade it. So. Well,
2: and speaking of Slack, I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but they're they are uh, actively preparing for an early 2019 IPO. Yeah,
3: they're yep. they so. having it was an estimated value of like five billion now or something incredible.
2: Oh, you know, seven, hey, they're taking over seven.
0: everything. Like, seven yeah. billion. Okay, mm-hmm. so plus, from what I'm watching here,
3: technically the
0: the next cloud integration. Is to be able to share your files that you have within NextCloud with RocketChat, or within RocketChat, so you can easily Mm -hmm. share it through and not have to go through, like, oh, share this file over in this other location, copy the link,
3: then take it over to RocketChat. If you're familiar with uh, Slack, Slack allows you to do that with Google Docs right now. They have tight integration with them. Mm. Which I like. It, we use <coughs> we use G Suite. Same mm. thing. It just works so well on mobile.
2: So if you're if you use Slack, does that make you a slacker?
3: Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I like their tagline: "Where work happens."
3: Yeah. yeah if if you uh, ever want to take a few minutes, dig into and listen to the interview with the founder of Slack. Uh, he has been around the internet building gaming systems. Uh, that was his goal. He's, he's now had three failed attempts to build a, a large multiplayer gaming system. Okay. Slack was the communications tool they developed to help him build the gaming platform, but that never was. Oh, so wow. after the company ran out of money trying to build the gaming platform, we're like, what do we have left? We're like, we can pivot, we got the Slack thing, and everyone loves it. <laughs> I,
1: don't, wow. I don't know if we covered this. Speaking about Slack, at work, we were actually using HipChat from Atlassian. Mm-hmm. And then um, everybody that uses Atlassian knows for quite some time they're trying to push everybody to use Stride, which is the replacement product of HipChat. And at my company, we were using HipChat, and then I, eventually, I actually finished migrating everybody over to Stride. And then literally one week later, Atlassian sends everybody an email and says, we're no longer developing Stride. We're going to start recommending that everybody use Slack. Uh-huh. So well, one week later, and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to have to transition everyone over to Slack. So now Slack has a much probably a big boost in um, user adoption now that Alassian is also telling them to go that direction. So mm.
3: yeah, it's it it's, it works really really well. That's why we like it. So and it has just a massive amount of integrations. Um, 50 million Facebook accounts via Happy Birthday video upload access tokens. So and the reason I worded it that way cuz Facebook <laughs> finally did a debrief of what actually happened so there is a option in facebook called view profile as and that's what was exploited but it goes a step further this is where exploits got stacked together to actually create the compromise so i was able to if you were able to use this you would be able to view my page as maybe tony would see my facebook page and then under the happy birthday uh, thing you can upload a video so they found an exploit that if you uploaded a video you could embed something in there that would mit- let you assume not just a view as token but then become that person Facebook and I have the link directly to the mm-hmm. Facebook page we has the technical details of what went wrong I love the fact that they actually debriefed this in detail of how the actual exploit worked. So it wasn't just like someone went view as and modified the token and copied and pasted it and things like that. No, they stacked a series. This Mm. is very complex and very cool. Um, Someone was really clever on how they did that. Someone really to think of all the layers that was there was kind of it was a good read. So wow. If you like the yeah. technical details. I'm always impressed because I was hanging out with my hacking friends yesterday. We have a DEF CON 313 meetup we do every two weeks. Um, anyone in the Detroit area is more than welcome to come. It's free. And uh, we dove into these details and discussed like how to change access tokens.
0: I'm going to talk to you about that later.
3: Yeah. yeah. How do we find out about
0: those meetups? Is it actually
3: on meetup.com? It's or? on meetup, and I've been posting it on Facebook and then sending out invites. I thought I said the last time we were here. I you did, people. okay. Or well, you said you were a couple of meetings, a couple
2: them, of but... uh, episodes ago. I re- yeah. recall you talking about that.
3: Yeah, this is our uh, third meetup. So please, uh, anyone in a Detroit area is. How many people show up? Um, the first time, I think it was like fifteen people or something oh, like that. This good. time yeah, was the, the next two, meetup uh, in two weeks, and that's what we're trying to figure out because it lines up with Ohio Linux Fest. I'm supposed to be host. They asked me to host it. I said yes, but now I just realized Ohio <laughs> Linux Fest falls on it, so now I have to figure this out. It's a weekend thing. It's a weekend. It's on Saturdays. Okay. So Hmm. if I don't go to that one, I'll definitely go to one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to figure that out. That's part of my. That's why I said I have to like, I have a lot of things going on. That's why I'm debating about Ohio Linux Fest. I got DC through and through. They asked me to host, and where I want to dive into some hardware hacking here at my office. And yeah, and then I have a thing. I have a media event to be at on Sunday. Anyways, Uh, now Cloudflare will will throw them in the news again because is if you know. Building an interplanetary file system wasn't busy enough for them. They're working on encrypting SNI, fixing one of the core internet bugs. Now, brief overview what SNI is whenever you go to a website, uh, SNI is a solution where I can have multiple certificates uh, and multiple web servers on one IP address, and the browser has to send what, when I go to that IP address, which website do I want. Well, that doesn't happen because it's a pre-encrypted transaction. So one IP address hosts you know right. 30 websites. Now whoever is watching my traffic, even though the traffic is actually encrypted, they know what website we are going to. It is pre-encrypted. Uh, yeah so that people can see that you know, which
0: site you're going to because you hit that server and you need to tell them which right. server, which website do I want? I want smr.us instead of you know, hosting.com right And you know, so that is that packet is in the clear. And then the next step is to then uh, identify or to, to do the encryption handshake and the rest of your communication is
3: is right. Is so, encrypted. you know, the where I went, but you don't know what I did there, which that's a great step. And they're going to take it to the next level of hiding your SNI with encryption. And that's what Cloudflare is working on a project to do that. Um, the question is, where will Google do? Will, will Google allow this implementation into Chrome? Uh, mm-hmm. Because ultimately it has to be accepted upstream into the uh, – Chromium, probably Firefox will jump on this. But will Chrome? Interesting. Yeah, yeah all the browsers need to be able to support it. Otherwise, yeah.
0: it doesn't make sense
3: to do right. It. So – Pretty neat. Um, and that is the last of my news articles. But I left a link right to the CloudFlare. They break it down and got pretty graphics and explain how it all works. But I, I like it. It's one more step. And, it, you know, we thank you, Snowden, you know. That's uh. We went from we don't know what to do to founding a Let's Encrypt Foundation, which has taken off like wildfire. Mm. Massive amounts of encryption there. We're encrypting every little detail we can. Every I believe very
1: strongly that Snowden will definitely be in the history books. Yes, and people in you know grade school or middle school or whatever will actually have a time where they need to learn about his what he's done and what has happened and and things like that. I
3: think it's going to be an important part of history. Mm Hmm. I agree. When we all got the tinfoil hat. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that's
2: yeah. uh, uh, sitting in Moscow right now, right?
3: Yes. Yeah, he's chilling. I going to ask where, where he's at these days. As far as I them. know, he's not leaving there. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't leave there.
3: Yeah, watch, um, is it called Citizen 4? Citizen, it's Citizen something, and it's a number after it. It's the, what he titled himself when he first contacted the news. It's a documentary. Um, it's interesting. It is the, yeah. when he revealed it. By chances there was actually a film crew filming something else that showed up. And they were there when he was revealing the whole breakdown of it. So it's very real. It's very interesting. I'm gonna check yeah. it out. It's Citizen Four. Citizen 4. Four. It came out in two thousand fourteen. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's the footage. So pretty neat. Yeah. And who else has some news items? So I do. Mary? Mary.
2: Yeah. I have one. Um, well maybe two. Um, <clears throat> Actually, this one uh, is in a site uh, at a site called it's called Marketplace. Obviously, it's I've, I've got kind of a financial market uh, angle to it. But uh, the title of it is what really caught my eye: is if you lead people to a more private search engine, will they care? And of course, this uh, has to do with uh, DuckDuckGo, which is um, one that I'm migrating to slowly. Um, and Jay, you made a comment earlier about yeah. uh, search results, uh, Google search results compared to DuckDuckGo. Yeah, I've
1: been using DuckDuckGo for, I'm just going to guess and say three or four years. And I made it my default search engine on all my browsers. But the problem I was running into was I would just check DuckDuckGo first because I am somewhat privacy-oriented, um, security-oriented. I just thought it would be a good thing to not route as much through Google. But the issue what the issue became is sometimes I would just not find current results or I just wouldn't find what I was looking for. So then step two, if I didn't find it on DuckDuckGo, I'd go to Google. And after a while, I got to a point where I didn't like searching two different sites. So actually, unfortunately, I went back to Google as my primary. But lately, within the last month or two, I basically remade DuckDuckGo my default. And as of today, I don't have that problem. Like, 90% 90% or more of anything I search for is on DuckDuckGo and it's very current. Like before, it wasn't current at all. Like it was like if I wanted something in the current month, I'd have to go to Google because DuckDuckGo just wouldn't have it. But as of today, it's a lot better and I love it and I don't find myself using Google all that often anymore.
2: You know, and it, it, it's interesting you say that because I had the same type of experience. I tried DuckDuckGo. And the results, and you know, it, it just it just goes to show how much information about you Google had because they would mm-hmm. just kind of customize it. Which, you know, in and of itself, uh, there's there's kind of the wow. These really these are this is what I'm looking for. And right. then you start thinking about it a little bit more, and you realize, wow, how much information about me do they have?
1: And it's not just you that know, though, because I could be searching for something that happened in the news within the last two days. Mm-hmm. And even if you search for that news item on Google and you're not signed in or or anything like that. I'm sure Google has many other ways of getting information about you, but they seem to always have the newer newest stories in their Google search pretty much mm-hmm. immediately and DuckDuckGo just didn't seem to have that, but nowadays um they must have changed something because they work so much better now than what they did before.
2: They run the searches through Google. No. Um
1: <laughs> you never know. I don't know how they how their and magic we- works, but they have now become, again, my default. And they probably will will stay that way. And another thing that I like about them, too, one thing that drives me crazy about Google more than anything else is they correct my search results. And as a Linux user, I'm always searching for some very unique things. Like I might search for, I'm just going to give you a random example, the umount command, um, maybe I'm too lazy to use the man command, I'm already on the browser so I just want to Google umount examples, and of course I just made that up, but what would happen in Google is it would actually correct it to unmount, which is not what I'm searching for, and I'd never really found a, a good way to tell Google, you know, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Don't correct my search results. But mm-hmm. in DuckDuckGo, that scenario happens a lot less, so I find myself less frustrated with the search results because they do make some corrections, they do suggest some changes to your search terms, but they don't really seem to force it on the level that Google does.
2: Yeah, and, you know, just to get back to this article, um, what was kind of interesting is the, uh, the author talked about, uh, well, they had, you know, obviously... Um, called this from, from various sources, but uh, um, apparently um, DuckDuckGo, you know, they, they don't keep really any information about you. Every time you go there, it's like a brand new, you're a brand new person. And uh, I didn't realize this, but uh, they had, I think they had a, a round of um, uh Venture capital that kind of came in there back um, a few years ago, and these guys uh, have been profitable. And these by these guys, I'm talking about DuckDuckGo. They've been profitable since 2014. Because one of the questions I'd kind of asked myself was, how are they making money?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and uh, apparently, that um, uh, they just completed a second round of it. But but to get back to the title of the article and why I mentioned this is that. Um, this venture capitalist says, he says, the reality is that people talk a big game here when it comes to privacy, but they don't actually do very much. Now, I would say some people um, do do care about it and take action about it. But he said that uh, people don't use encrypted email, but they tell you their email privacy is hugely important. People don't use virtual private networks, and yet they tell you it's hugely important that no one can monitor their network traffic. So people are, you know, hugely amusing on this topic. A lot of hugely. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but are not, uh, but, you know, this is not really being paid attention to. So anyway, but it sounds like DuckDuckGo is, you know, on a, on the ascend. Um, we're yep. continuing to be on the Ascend. So, they And I am using engines. a VPN. Um, I'm using P, uh, PIA. Yeah. Um, hey. So and it I automatically like connects me. The only time I don't like it is when I'm trying to look for something and it's going to find a store near me or it's going to find something <laughs> close to me. And suddenly I'm thinking, oh, I have to go to Chicago to get this.
4: Right. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, let's think,
2: excuse, go to Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my sister lives uh, in Evanston. So. There you go. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, so I thought this article was kind of interesting, and they've got a second round that uh, they'll be. Uh, you
0: know what's actually interesting? You can use that to your advantage because you'll figure out which ones use your IP address to figure out where you are and which ones use your GPS on your phone, whether you have that turned on or not, or, mm. you know. because. That's a good tip. Yeah, because I ran into that when I was in China that I figured out there was, you know, I was VPNing back through the U.S., and uh, I, I figured out who thought I was in Texas. And Can't you turn I off your location, China. though? Yeah, but then there's even que- tweaks about that. You okay. Know, not, not everybody actually pays attention to that turn-off location mm-hmm. setting.
2: Yeah. I You know, I have PIA not on my phone. Uh, I installed it, and then I forgot to bring my password with me so I couldn't remember oh. my password. Um, LastPass. So, huh? yeah. LastPass. I don't know password. any of my passwords. That's what anymore. it was. No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> same. One, one tip I'll mention really quickly about DuckDuckGo, and not everybody knows about this, but you can go in the settings and you can customize your the search engine. You can, Like right now, I just changed to a dark theme. Obviously, people mm-hmm. uh, listening can't see that, but um, for example, you change the theme so you can go to a dark theme or different color themes and there's different options you can change. What's interesting is that you don't go in here and provide an email address, a login, or a password, or anything because there's no account. But what you do instead is you come up with a passphrase and you click the save button. You just remember it, and members the settings based on the passphrase, so you don't actually have to associate your email account or any account ID with them.
2: So you could, so you could, if Tom had done this and created a passphrase and mm-hmm. you had his passphrase, let's yeah. just say that as an experiment, you sh- he shared it with you, mm-hmm. then you could uh, change. You could use his passphrase to get his setup.
1: Um, you know, I haven't actually gone into. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Actually, I haven't gone to I that level. Um, yeah, I but, if it's but um, maybe we should have a, We should try that actually yeah. and see what happens. Well, all right, who's it was, the most
2: design aesthetic amongst us? We're yeah. going to use that uh, well, one. Well,
1: there's there's Jay. not a <laughs> lot of different options here. <laughs> yeah. um, there you could change the
0: font. Let's, let's try it right things, now. What's your passphrase, Jay? Um, We're running <laughs> over you guys. joking. we are
2: running over. Yeah, I'm not
1: going to. I don't actually haven't made one yet. But I just thought I mentioned that. That's all
4: my news. All right. All yeah,
1: right. I I have one if there's time. Um, So I only have one, and it's it's actually from earlier this month. And it's about Firefox. They're about to recommend extensions to you while you visit the net. And I don't have a whole lot of information about this yet. I try to do some more digging because I want to find out more about, you know, what what criteria are they going to use to determine whether or not they should recommend an add-on to people, um, and are they going to curate the security of them? But to take a step back to talk about what it actually is, so um, we'll have it in the show notes, but there's basically a um, screenshot on this uh, bleepingcomputer.com site, which is talking about it, where they show somebody browsing to Amazon, and Firefox is recommending that they install the Amazon Assistant. And this Mm. is supposed to happen... Um, tentatively in Firefox 63 when that comes out so here pretty soon and my issue here is you know this kind of seems like back in the day we had all these toolbars you know you go you support somebody's computer and like half their browser is just all toolbars and um, now that's kind of like extensions have kind of become the new toolbar where everybody has like a, a large number of these and they really do work against your computer so it's not just security I mean think about it like this stuff is running in the background, so your battery life on your computer can go down on account of this. If it's not properly curated, the stability of the browser can go down. Another thing too is, you know, getting back to security, which is my most important thing here. Um, I just want to know more about how Firefox plans to vet these because are they just going to vet it the one time? Yeah, it looks. Will it be a it's crypto fine. cryptocurrency um, miner? But what happens? Yeah. <laughs> what happens then if? the extension that someone has installed that Firefox has been recommending um, gets bought out by another company which then decides to put some kind of malware into that extension. Or
3: that's interesting because uh, Gina Chirpani was someone I was following for a while when she was developing a couple of things like ThinkUp and she had previously developed some really popular browser extensions. She had these weird uh, offers to buy her abandoned browser extension because it had such a large user base they wanted to buy it from her but after she did due diligence she says wow this company's well known for installing malware and that's what they would do basically is find a popular browser extension offer the original developer a lot of money and then use it to install mm. ads and uh, do something nefarious with the permission sets it had so she's still
2: um, yeah. um is she still um the host of uh, lifehacker.com i think so okay
1: so one of the things I find interesting about this is it seems like in the past, Firefox has been under a microscope in the media. Like anytime they do anything um, that you know people don't think is uh, appropriate or might be a bad idea, it's all over the news. But this one in particular doesn't seem like it's getting <clears throat> all that much coverage. And I find that interesting because I never really agreed with the media f- for the most part. Um, I mean, there's been some things that have been questionable, but nothing that's been like, oh, my God, this is really horribly dumb idea. And I don't I, – I part of me wants to say this is a really stupid idea, but another part of me wants to give Firefox, you know, Mozilla, just the benefit of the doubt, maybe they're going to do this right. I don't know how they could do it right. Um, it, I can't think of any scenario where this is a good idea. But I'm trying to be fair, and obviously there's a lot more information that I need. I need to know how they're going to vet these and how they're going to handle this. I just don't know yet because there's not a lot of coverage. But it's just one of those things where what's concerning to me is – Almost every Linux distribution you install, Firefox is the default browser. Yes. This is basically the front-runner of the open-source or Linux community browsing experience. And if they ruin that experience, that's... I mean, what do we have left? We have Google, which some people don't want to use that due to privacy concerns. We have Vivaldi, because which isn't completely open-source. Chromium, which is open-source, but is still tied to Google. There's still some things going on there. And then you have all these smaller browsers like um, Epiphany or um, Pale Moon and a number of others that are developed by a small number of people that you may or may not be able to trust their security with, with such a small number of people to handle CVEs. So Firefox, for the Linux community, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, this is a very important piece of software for us. And um, this is one of those things where if Mozilla makes a mistake and, and a lot of people get bit by a security bug because of an extension that they recommended people to install, that's a really hard knock on your reputation to come back from.
2: I, yeah. I don't think they would allow that to happen. I would hope not. And I, that I, that's basically I my mean, point is I hope
1: that sorry.
0: they handle it. Yeah, they'd it, have but. to have somebody dedicated to watching security bugs and yeah. flaws and stuff. And
1: I'm just kind of cautious about this. Mm-hmm. I just want to see yeah, how they sense. plan on doing this and just um, see kind of how it goes. I... I guess I'd feel like even if you take the security standpoint out completely and just assume that security is not an issue and they're going to handle it perfectly, then you're still going to end up with people that browse and say yes to everything, and then they have 60 extensions on their browser. Their, their browser is bogging down, and their battery life is down another half hour. Um, there, there's, other, there's a lot of concerns about extensions, not, not just security, that have to be taken in consideration as well.
0: So. Very
2: good.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, so I had one article left, and um, it is about Skype is going, or Microsoft is going to kill Skype Classic. Again. So again, hmm. yeah. So uh, they said, and we really mean it this time.
2: Cue that uh what is it? The the Bates Hotel uh, music. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so basically, what they're saying is that the I think it's Skype Seven now is uh, what the classic look for for Skype is. And uh, I know a long time ago they said they weren't going to be developing for Linux, and, um, and so they're finally going to kill off the classic Skype. Uh, so. And just a little bit of Googling around, once I saw this article, I found that there is another version of Skype available to install on Linux. And um, it's available through the in, the Skype Insider program. So I don't know if you have to sign up for anything special to use it, but they do have RPM and dev package downloads and stuff. Well, um, And the only reason I bring this up is because there's, you know, I mean, I know people that I have to, that they only have Skype. And they're not savvy enough to put anything else on their phone or their computer. So then I have to be able to do, you know, a, um, a video conference with them or something. Um, yep. Otherwise, I you know, Google Hangouts or um, oh, what are
3: those other ones? There's uh, Jitsi. Yeah, Jitsi. Actually, I really like Jitsi. Me too. Um, until I tried setting it up my own Jitsi server, I like it less. (laughs) I'm happy it works at their site. Yeah. Use it on theirs. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Um,
0: you know, I mean, so there's other options available, but, uh, you know, if you have to be, if you're stuck in the Skype world, then, uh, the don't think that it's all going to come to an end in November when they say it is, there's going to be another
3: option. Um, well, they are killing Skype for business. That's official.
1: Oh, is it now? Yes. Yeah, oh, they made know. the
3: announcement at Ignite last week that's dead. It's, oh, it's migrating to Teams. It's not Skype. It's going to be mm. complete Teams. So It's like the fifth renaming.
1: I was going to say, yeah. what what Microsoft service has had more renames than that? Because that started as, what,
0: Link and then? Yeah, Link, uh, then, no, Communicator, then Link. Oh, yeah. Then they switched everything over to Skype and then Teams. Yeah. Which Teams is really a uh, Slack wannabe. Yeah. I have I tried using it, and we had nobody at work, but one other guy wanted to do it, so we ended up not doing anything with it. But Yeah. Anyway.
3: Anyways. Do we have um, music? Music,
0: I do not.
3: Well, we ran long. We can always... Yeah.
0: Why don't we uh, pass on the music this time? Okay. Uh, we're at an hour 15 or so, hour 20. Yeah. Um. I did email OLF to see if they want to do a, an interview this week, so we'll we we'll, uh, we'll see how that comes out. Uh, all right, so we've come to the end of the show. Uh, this has been episode two eighty eight.
2: Foss reboot.
0: DOS re- yeah, reboot. Yeah, Foss reboot. Foss reboot. Or, fas boot. What are you fas saying? DOS. DOS Boot. Foss Boot. 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 DOS mm-hmm. have
2: a beer. Fas, yeah.
3: right. <laughs> Uh, This is Tony Venus, Jay
2: LaCroix, Mary Tomich,
3: and I Like Beer, Tom Lawrence. (laughs) See
2: you next time.
3: You've been listening to the Sunday Morning Linux Review. If you would like more
0: information about this or other shows, go to smlr.us. Feel free to send comments to show at smlr.us or give us
1: a call at 734-258-7009. I'm John Miller. If you don't like it,
0: you can bite
4: my 8-bit metal ass. That's bite with a Y. <laughs>